0: Well, tonight we are going to not take a break from the wisdom of God, but we're going to take a night off from the series on the wisdom of God, as we titled that way, and uh, I'm going to give you some real wisdom tonight and give you word to back it up, and um, we are going to kind of have a sermon buffet have you ever had a sermon buffet? You know, I know when I go to a buffet or a smorgasbord, there's so many good things on the smorgasbord that I want to try, but there's so little room to put them, right? And so you got to be strategic in what you take and, and, you know, you put a little of this and a little of that and a little of this and then you get back, I get back to my t- table and I go, well, man, none of this stuff even goes together, you know. <laughs> But it's all good. It's all things that, that I enjoy, right? And so tonight, we're going to kind of have a little bit of a, a sermon buffet, if you will. We're going to talk about COVID and this new variant and the answer to it. We're going to talk about, um, let's see, what are some of the things on the list? We're going to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about Santa Claus. We're going to talk about Christmas. So it's just a smorgasbord of things that we're going to look at. So if you look at that and go, well, none of those things go together. I don't care. (laughs) Still going to be good eating. You know, they are doing their best right now to scare everyone to death in the news with everything that's going on with COVID. You know, now there's the new variant. And um, anytime that seems, anytime they need it, there's a new one on the horizon to capture your attention from the other things that are going on. But um, it's, you know, it's now in multiple states in the United States. I'm not even sure, Omicron or however you say it, it doesn't matter. It's a name that, that is under the name of Jesus, we know that. And there's no variant that can come out that the blood of Jesus isn't already shed for it. That He hasn't taken wounds for that variant or that sickness or that flu or whatever it is. And so I want to encourage you to stay out of fear in regards to this. You know, there's been a number of people sick. There's been a number of people from our congregation that were sick. There's been, In fact, right back here in the back, Robin waved. To, Robin, can you come uh, tell us your testimony? Would you be comfortable doing that? Um, we've had a number of people that have been sick recently, and the Lord. Is the deliverer of them all. All right? And so, no matter what we're faced with, we do have an answer. I want you to just hear a little bit about what the Lord has done for Robin. He's faced multitudes of trials.
1: Uh, Thursday morning, um, I was, my, I dropped the glass and. Um,
0: well, back up first. Tell us uh, about what uh, you were sick with.
1: I had COVID on over the uh, Sunday before, and got over that. You no, know, uh, got rid of the fever, and just used wisdom. And went to work hard days, uh, but then that Thursday morning, I was just. Uh, she, my wife said my left hand just dropped. My speech was slurred. Uh, first thing she did was call Sid before nine one one. I was just so blessed by that. And um, the end result, they're saying that I had a full um, stroke. And they were amazed that no residue, I have full function of everything. I'm just so blessed. And the way to church tonight, I said, and All the years, all, all these years that we have tithed, and rebuked the devourer for our sake. The doctors were just amazed that, uh, and we kept saying, uh, I, I kept saying, I'm going home, <laughs> wanting to go home. And Mim had agreed with Sid, or Sid agreed with Mim. And it took a while that day, but I went, I was home yesterday. Glory to God. And, just, and, and uh, different people, Alan was sharing how just praying for, for me. And it's
0: just, I'm so blessed. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for Robin. Thank you for sparing his life. Thank you for giving him strength, divine strength. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. We thank you. You are good. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Glory to God. We just serve an amazing God. Someone told me the other day that they they had COVID and I I have some ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine that I've been giving out as people have been needing it. But in that particular case, I didn't have any, right? And so uh, I said, well, um, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine have I none, but what I have I give to you. (laughs) Be healed in Jesus' name. You know, that's where healing is. All right, we're going to do everything we can in the natural. We're going to take the medications. We're going to do the things that we're going to wash our hands, but that's not where our healing is. That's not where our trust is. Our trust is in the name of the Lord, which is a strong tower in the name that delivers from COVID and all kinds of other crazy things. You know, when we fear something, because that's what the enemy, that's this whole basis of COVID has been just built on fear. And everything about it is designed to gain your control of you, to manipulate you through the use of fear. And we're not going to fear this. See, when we fear something, you are putting a welcome mat out to that thing that you fear. It attracts it. And Job said it this way, he said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. You know, how would would Job's story be different if he hadn't feared it? Yeah, I believe it would have. And so for you and me, we are going to, when we see fear arrive, resist it, okay? We have emotions, but our emotions are fickle. They come and go depending on the weather. And you may have uh, symptoms of fear in your emotions. Just reject it. Don't accept it. Go back and stand on the Word and on the promises of God and say, you know what? I will not fear. The Lord is my Deliverer. He protects me. And I walk in His protection. And, and you just preach yourself happy right again. And then go out and do what you need to do. I want to say this too because there was different ones that had, had COVID and they all had enough sense to stay at home and not come to the church. Um, if you are sick, I don't care if it's normal flu or... COVID-19 or COVID-20 or COVID-28, all right? doesn't matter. If you have something contagious, don't come in amongst all the other people. Call me and I will come to you and I will pray for you. And if I can't do it, well, then Karen will. If Karen can't do it, we've got a whole line of people that will be more than happy to come to you and pray for you. And that's scriptural. That's biblical. You know, James 5 says that if any is sick, they should call for the elders to come pray over them, and they will pray over them and anointing them with oil, and they'll be healed. And so, don't don't think that you know it, it's a sign of faith for me to go out and to come to church when you're sick. No, just call us and we'll come to you and you'll be delivered all the same. Let's not, let, let's say it to you, I'll say it to you a different way. Let's not make someone else walk in our faith, right? Just because I have faith that no one's going to get sick, let's not make them exercise their faith that they're not going to, to pick something up, all right? Let them be where they are, you just walk in faith for you. Is that clear enough or did I raise more questions than I answered? don't see anyone with rocks in their hands, so I think we're all right still. What does Galatians 3.13 tell us? It says we are redeemed from the curse of the law because He became a curse for us. The reason that is such good news, if you'll go back to Deuteronomy 28, you can read it from starting in verse 16 on to the end of the chapter, you can read what the curse of the law is. And it, in that listing of what all the curse of the law is, it mentions a whole bunch of crazy diseases and sicknesses, things you don't want any part of. And then it ends it with saying, in every disease not mentioned in this book. So there is no sickness that is able to be invented, past, present, or future, that isn't covered or isn't included as part of the curse of the law. Alright? Whether it's man-made or natural, doesn't matter. It's all a part of that curse of the law. And... Jesus Christ redeemed us, is what Galatians 13 says, from the curse of the law. So this is why we can be confident in how we pray. You say, yeah, well, we prayed this and I still got sick. Well, that's just fine. We have many, many, many Scriptures that talk about being delivered. Talk about when the enemy catches you, that the Lord rescues you. Many are the troubles of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. That's Psalms 34.19. Right? So, You've been guaranteed problems. They're not from the Lord, but we live in a problematic world. All right? So you've been guaranteed problems. Many are the trials of the righteous. But the good news is is we have a deliverer and we have a rescuer, and that we don't have to be afraid, and that's where we're going to put our faith. And someone say, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. All right, let's go over to Isaiah 53. And we're just going to take a quick walk through some scriptures that have to do with healing, have to do with protection, and have to do with deliverance. Isaiah 53, if you look down, this is talking about Jesus. Isaiah is prophesying, looking forward hundreds of years into the future to when Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb of the world. And the things that were included in this, in salvation, and if you look down in verse 4, you'll see that yet He Himself, this would be Jesus, bore our sicknesses and He carried our pains. Would, would COVID be included in sickness and pain? Yeah, because yeah, it's a sickness and it's a pain. <laughs> but in turn, regarded Him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced because of our rebellion. Someone say, because of my rebellion. He was crushed because of my iniquities. Punishment for my peace was on Him. Go ahead, say it. And I am healed by His wounds. The wounds that Jesus suffered were for one purpose and one purpose only. They weren't for your sin because the blood of Jesus was enough for that. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It doesn't say the wounds of Jesus cleanse us from sin. So we know what the blood was for. Well, what was the whipping for? What were the bruises for? What were the, the, all the terrible scars and the crown of thorns? What was all of that for? It was for you and I's healing. By His wounds we are healed. wasn't spiritual healing. This was talking about physical healing. And the reason we can be confident about that is because Matthew took these very verses and translated them and, and he said it this way in Matthew 8, you can find it. And he put it right into the context of all these people coming to Jesus and being healed from physical ailments. And then he quotes this verse and said it is being fulfilled in this. And so we know he was talking about physical healing. When you look at Peter, Peter also quoted this, and but he said it this way. He was talking to slaves who had cruel masters. Now, do you think a slave that has a cruel master, he might wind up with some beatings and bruises and cuts and broken things that need healed? Yeah, I would imagine so, not only on a physical level, but also in a soulish realm. And... Peter says, by his wounds, he quotes it and he changes it from we are healed to we were healed. Past tense, because it already happened back at the cross. We were healed. Speaking to slaves, who very likely, because he in that passage in, in Peter where you can read it, he talks about the, the spiritual side of it first. And then he talks about, and by his wounds we are healed. So there is healing in the wounds of Jesus. When we pray for a sick person, the Lord is not sitting in heaven going, should I or should I not? When we, when you pray for healing in your body, the Lord's not going, hm, not sure. You know what? They said a bad word yesterday. I think I'll make them wait an extra day. That's not how God works. He already did it. It's already completed. It was done back at the cross. All we're doing is laying a hold of it and bringing the spiritual reality that He set in place back 2,000 years ago into the natural realm that we exist in today. And the bridge from there to here is your faith. That brings it from there to here. And applies it. Go over with me to uh, Psalms 91. Talk about protection for a little bit. Actually, on the way there, just stop off at Psalm one hundred and three. Psalm one hundred and three. This is one of my go-to scriptures. I remember, I remember, I had a cousin that was piloting a, what was it? One of those parachute planes, and he flew into power lines, and um, man, there was a ball of fire, and he was shocked and all kinds of things, and 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 he survived. I mean, that's a far way to fall then. They fell, and um, they rushed him to the hospital, and and he survived. But this was when we lived in Colorado, so I went to go see him at the hospital. And I knew that they didn't believe in healing like we did. And so this was right at a time when we had just started our church, and there was a lot of people offended at us for our position on healing. And so I'm not looking at To offend people, but I am looking for truth and to bring truth to places where I go. And so I said, Lord, how do I pray in a way that he can agree with me and receive it and not in a way that puts him off? And the Lord said, just quote my word and agree with it. Okay, thank you. So I come in, laid hands on him, asked him if I could pray, yeah, lay hands on him, and I prayed Psalms 103. He said, you said you heal all our diseases. You said this, and I quoted a few other verses and said, I just agree with what you said over his body, so be it. He was like, amen. And see, that worked. <laughs> it's also interesting that when you need healing, suddenly we get a lot more open to the possibility it may be God's will, Right? Hallelujah. He was fully restored, and now he's a pilot of an air of as a, a private plane. Thank you, Jesus. All right, verse 1, Psalm 103. My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. Now, this includes deliverance from COVID or protection from COVID. Now, some people would think it's only spiritual benefits, but in that case, he would have just said. Don't let us forget your benef- one benefit, right? But no, there's multiple ones. Now he lists them. Listen to this list. He forgives all your iniquity. That's the sin issue you dealt with. He heals all your diseases. That's the COVID issue you dealt with. He redeems your life from the pit. That's the heaven and hell deliverance part dealt with. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. That's how you are now represented in the earth. Faithful love and compassion is your calling card. Your today's existence is dealt with. He satisfies you with good things. Someone go, "Mm mm-mm, that's good. (laughs) Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Renewed. That's good news. Notice it doesn't say your youth is kept youth. Stayed young. It says it's renewed. It's made again. That means somehow you got out of it and needed to get back into youth. That's really good news for those of us that are 40 and older. Those of you that are younger, yeah, you don't understand it so well right now. But in 20 years, you will. Alright? That, yeah, we get to the place we need our youth renewed. I'm so glad that scripture's in there. Hallelujah. Alright, now we can go to Psalm 91. <clears throat> this psalm is known as the psalm of protection and we have read it many times here in this house. We've read it together. I'm sure you've read it many times alone by yourself. <laughs> this psalm is one that <clears throat> there's no part of it that is not true. And so if you'll read it with that understanding that all of this applies for me, if I'll receive it. There's protection in it, but he not, he does, it's not only a thing of protection, it's also one of deliverance. A psalm of deliverance, as you'll see as we read through Let's start in verse 1. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, if you're being protected of the, of, by the Lord, it means because you've been hanging out with Him real close. Right? Under His wing. In His shadow. Okay? You're so close to Him that He's casting a shadow over you. Remember James said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you? He didn't say, resist the devil and he'll flee from God. He said, resist the devil and he flees from you. But the verse before that said, submit yourself to God. That means be put under his mission. Submit. Submission is under the mission. So if you are under the Lord and his shadow is covering you, you can stand there and say a whole lot of things to the devil. And the devil has to listen to you because, well, you're in the shadow of God. He better listen. Right. He's going to run and you're going to be like, yeah, go. Right. But it's because you're standing between God's legs. You can look up the shadows cast on you, but get the mental picture. Right. You can talk all kinds of smack to him. And what's he going to do? Come up and punch you right there in the shadow of God? No, no. See, you're standing in his authority, in his shadow, in his power. And that's why that you're protected as you stand there. That's why you can say with authority. Jesus said, all authority and power has been given to me on heaven and earth. Multiple realms. And then he lays out a command. Go and do. Well, here we can stand in that authority and in that power. Look at verse 2. I will say concerning the Lord. So the psalmist is saying this. I will say it. I will say it. He didn't say, I will think it. I will say it. He didn't say, I'll post it on Facebook. Or I'll, you know, you get the point. No, he said, I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself, so first of all, he's declaring him as his God. That's important. Secondly, he says, he himself, God himself, will rescue you from the bird trap. And from the destructive plague. See, a a trap is something, a bird trap is something the bird didn't see. The unseen trap. Let's say it that way. He will deliver you from the thing you didn't see and stumbled right into, but He'll deliver you from it. And from the destructive plague. Well, there it is. COVID. Verse 4, He will cover you with His feathers you will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. Why is it important that a shield is faithful? Because if you can't rely on it, what good's the shield? Right? It's important that the shield is faithful. You can rely on it. You will not fear the terror of the night. In other words, things you can't see because it's dark, it's out there. You can't see it though. The arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness. Or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. See, there's protection in his shadow. But then again, he always comes back to there's also rescue. If he did get caught in it. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place, because of this. Because the, you've looked to the Lord and not to the medications. Sure, you might use the medications, but you look to the Lord. He's your dwelling place. It says, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. He will give His angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Speaking of spiritual things here. You have the authority. You don't have to be afraid of devils or demons or any other kind of thing. Because He has His... Now now the Lord is speaking. Now it shifts from the psalmist to the Lord. The Lord says, because He... Someone say, "because because I. Because He has His heart set on me, I will deliver Him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. (laughs) We're talking about the goodness of God in this day and age that we live in. And He has already made an answer Put an answer in place for it doesn't matter the sickness that gets developed, that comes, the new variant, the whatever it be. Let's go over to Mark chapter 16. I'm going to try to speed up just a little bit. There's still a lot of food on our plate. Mark chapter 16, look down into verse 16. All right. Now this is where Jesus is giving the Great Commission in Mark and He makes some pretty bold statements. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. He says signs are going to accompany those who believe. He did not say, you disciples. He did not say, you know, just you twelve. He said, those who believe. First, he says, go out. Anyone who believes will be saved. Is anyone and anyone? That's anyone. And then he says, those who believe, referring to those anyone's. All right? Just want to make it real clear. He's talking about you and me. He says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes, and if they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. And then as proof, it says, So the Lord Jesus, after speaking to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the accompanying signs. Now, go over to James chapter 5. What are we looking at? We're looking at what is our response to sickness. doesn't matter the name you put on it. What is our response to sickness? Our response is we have an answer. Look here in verse 14 of James chapter 5. I already quoted part of this to you. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, you know, when when Peter healed that guy at the gate, beautiful, and people wanted to know what happened, he said, "It's only by his name, in his name alone, that this man is found healthy." It wasn't by something special that Peter was. The, verse 15: The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So we go out, we lay hands, just as Jesus said in Mark 16. We lay hands on people that are sick. You know, if you have a family member says, "Oh, this hurts, that hurts," you know, ask if you can pray for them. Go lay hands on them. I lay hands on myself when I'm sick. No one around. The very first time I tried it, I had had a miracle healing. And I say, tried it because I was brand new to it. I'm like, well, really? Does it work this way? I, I believe it probably does. Let's try it. And, and I was healed. James 5. What does it say? The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You know, that's important because sin is always the entrance of sickness, some sort of sin. I don't mean that, well, you committed some great sin, so now there's sickness in your life. I'm saying sin is the original door. It's why sickness is present. And so we have the answer to that. And if you have sinned, and if it has come for that reason, well, you're forgiven. Right there it shows it. You know, Jesus, He said, you're forgiven of your sins, and then people were like, how dare you? And then He said, just to show you that I can do this, He says, get up, take your bed, and walk. Well, here it's the same thing going on. Being healed and being forgiven. Why? Because we have Jesus. We are His representatives. What does Mark 11.24 tell us? It says, pray that whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received them and you will have them. It's past tense. Believe you've taken it. Believe that it's yours. Believe that you possess it. Is the way we could say it, and you will possess it. Faith is going to take faith when you go out. Don't don't always think. Well, you know, just because they didn't feel well immediately, that well, my prayer didn't work. In neither one of those places in Mark 16 and in James 5, it doesn't say they'll be healed instantly. It just says they're going to recover. So the bottom line is, you're getting better. All right, John, uh, John 16. Let's, actually, let's go to Matthew 18 first. In Matthew 18, Jesus makes another one of His statements that are just astounding to those listening. In Matthew 18 and verse 18, He says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. He's talking about authority. And he's talking about that when you walk in His authority in the earth, that whatever you loose on the earth, the authority to loose it comes from heaven. It's done in heaven. And whatever you bind on the earth, the authority to bind it comes from heaven. It's bound from heaven. Verse 19, again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father In heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. The power of agreement in prayer. You can pray and receive it by yourself, but you can also get somebody to agree with you. That's what Mim did. She called, and she she called for the elders, right? And and I did. When he had COVID, I went over and I anointed him. We prayed over him, and uh, he got better, just like the Word says. Well, then he had a stroke, and of course, we weren't home. And, uh, but she called, and there's still power in the agreement that's available. And so I didn't even answer the phone. She just left me a message and said, I'm going to call, the, take him to the hospital now or call the ambulance, I think is maybe what you said. And so um, we prayed and we agreed that nothing would be missing, nothing would be lost, that he would be whole and healthy and come back home. And that's exactly what happened. The prayer of agreement. In John 16, Jesus made that statement. He said that if you, anything you ask the Father in My name, He will give you. Anything. John 16.23 if you're taking notes. Anything you ask anything you ask the Father in My name, He will give you. Talk about a blank check of all blank checks. Pretty big. Of course, all of these things are, you know, if... It's if it's you're asking according to His will. Yes, of course. But that's why we can be so confident when it comes to COVID and the healing is because we know God's will regarding this. And so it's now not even a question of does God want to? Or is it His will? So, if any of you get sick, you know how to deal with it. You also know you have Scripture to stand on to be protected. You don't have to be afraid. You can go right into the lion's den. You can pick up a snake, pick up a lion, whatever, scorpions, and they're not going to hurt you. They have no power over you. Of course, if it's a snake, maybe shoot it first and then pick it up. All right, let's talk about some current events going on in the Supreme Court with abortion. We're moving now from the mashed potatoes to the green beans. There's been a lawsuit filed. Mississippi had made a law that said that it was no longer legal to um, have an abortion after 15 weeks in the womb. So once the baby's over 15 weeks old, no longer can they have an abortion. Well, great, that's a start. That's clearly not nearly as far as we believe it needs to go because it needs to be no abortions. All abortion is murder. In this case, this has now it made its way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's hearing the arguments on it. I'm not sure what day they're going to give their decision. But remember us talking about the power of prayer. Now is the time for us to pray and to ask the Lord to give them wisdom, to ask the Lord to reveal truth, to ask the Lord to strip away the blinders that are on these judges' eyes or ears so that righteousness will prevail. Now understand that even if they rule everything correctly, and even if they would come along and take Roe versus Wade completely away, we still have a massive problem on our hands. Roe v. Wade was put in place in 1973, and it basically all it was is from the federal level, overriding the states. They said it's legal for a woman to have; to, she's free to choose to abort her child up to 20. What is it? 23 weeks, maybe, something like that. 27 weeks, and so they federally protected the woman's right to choose to to murder that little one up until that age. So all that happens if Roe versus Wade goes away is they no longer are federally protected, that right. Instead, now it goes to the state level. And the states decide how they're going to handle it. So some states, yes. Some states, no. Like I said, we still have... It's still a righteousness issue. Right? We can't legislate people to be righteous. But we are needing revival, clearly. And so I want to give you just quickly a, a short teaching on... What does the Bible say about abortion? What should you say if someone asks you, well, why do you believe? And if you are dealing with another believer, especially if they, if they think the Word has authority in it, then you're going to probably answer them a little differently than you will someone who does not believe. You know, for you and me, we allow the Word to shape our lives. We look at things through the lens of the Word. And if if you want to change my position on something, come at it through the Word. Because I'll listen to that. Your opinion, I don't care. right? But the Word matters a whole lot. So that's how we talk to each other. But when you're talking to an unbeliever, they don't shake their lives by the Word. They care less about the Word. I don't care if you quote 12 verses about it. That's an old antiquated book, they think. So what you can do is take them to the altar where they worship. It's called science. Right? We, we live in a time where people worship science. Everything, I mean, you look around at COVID and you go, no, they don't. But, you know, everything's in the name of science. And, uh, some of it's just stupid science. But the fact of the matter is, is science is on your side on this issue of where does life begin? When does it begin? I mean, you can look at scientific study after scientific study and it is very clearly life in that womb. And so we are, you have science on your side. When does life begin? Some people argue different times. Um, but any life in the womb that is attached to the wall of the womb is, is life. That's life. And no matter whether it's in day two of its being or in day, week 23 or full term, it's still life is still a baby. And the Bible does not directly mention abortion by name. Okay? It definitely speaks to the issue strongly. But it does not mention abortion. So that's why you'll hear people say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about abortion. Oh, yes, it does. Not directly by name, but indirectly. Yes, very much it does. In fact, in Exodus 2013, how about we just start there? Do not murder. Do not murder. There's, there's a good strong verse to start with. Taking the life of another person. Um, go over to Proverbs 16, uh, Proverbs 6. And let's look at some scriptures here about hands that shed innocent blood. What does the Lord think about innocent blood being shed? And is there anything more innocent than a a baby in the womb? No. It doesn't matter how that baby got there. I mean, yeah, it may have been through tragedy that the baby arrived there, but I'm saying it does not. That baby's still innocent. That, that child, that fetus, the wee one, is still innocent. Completely innocent. Proverbs 6, verse 16 says, The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to Him. So the Lord hates these things. They're, they're detestable. They're an abomination to Him. Arrogant eyes a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. There's a pretty strong list. And one of those is hands that shed innocent blood. And that's what abortion does. Let's look at Isaiah 59. Similar Scriptures. And if you look in verse 2, Verse 2 and 3, Isaiah 59 says, But your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not listen. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongues mutter injustice. What could be more unjust than saying it's okay to kill a baby? Look down in verse 7. Their feet run after evil and they rush to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are sinful thoughts. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. There is no gray area on this. Someone says, well, yeah, but what if it's the life of the mother? Well, if you're asking me, murder is murder. I'm not going to kill one to save another. Let's look at Psalms 139. In verse 13, when does life begin? This might give us some answers. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones are not hidden from you when I was made in secret, in other words, in the womb, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. You know, that'd be on day one in the womb. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Formless in the womb, not even in the shape of a baby yet. Look at Exodus 21. Here's, a, here's scripture that tells us what under the law what he thought about pregnant women with children. In verse twenty-two, Exodus 21, 22, it says, When men get in a fight, and hit a pregnant woman. In other words, maybe it's by accident. Maybe it was on purpose. I don't know. It just says, when men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her child or children are born prematurely, you know, act, something happens. She's hit. Now she's having the baby too soon. But there is no injury. The one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him and he must pay according to judicial assessment if there is an injury, in other words, if that baby would be born now and die because of this guy hitting her, then you must give life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. This is what the Lord thought about doing something that took the life of someone else, especially because it was it's motivated out of anger or whatever. And it doesn't even say that it was on purpose. The life of a child in the womb. This is actually where we get a lot of our manslaughter laws from in our, in our nation today. It's why if you go out and you text and drive or you drink and drive and you run over a pregnant lady and her unborn baby and they both die, you'll be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Because there was two lives there. And isn't it just insane to think that that law is in place, but yet you can choose to kill that second life? madness Jeremiah 1 verses 4 and 5 again we're looking at when does life start Um, he says it this way he says in verse 4 the word of the Lord came to me I chose you before I formed you in the womb I set you apart before you were born I appointed you a prophet to the nations doesn't give a time it just says before you were born before you were formed even in the womb so the Lord knew that they were going to be arriving there Let's look at John the Baptist in the womb. What does Scripture say about him when he was there? Maybe this will give us some information on how God views life in the womb. In Luke chapter 1, the story of Elizabeth, and remember her and her husband couldn't have children, and the the angel shows up while he's in there doing his priestly duties and says you're going to have a child and has this whole conversation. Well, he says to him in verse fifteen Luke one fifteen for he talking about John the Baptist, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will never drink wine or beer, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb, filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the womb. Now it has to be a person when it's in the womb because the Holy Spirit doesn't fill things, objects, or animals, right? It has to be a person to be filled with. The Holy Spirit. Look down all the way down in verse 34. So now um, now Gabriel shows up. Okay, It's like six months along for Elizabeth. Gabriel shows up and is having a conversation with Mary and telling her, hey, you're going to have a child. His name is going to be Jesus. She, he gives him all this instruction. And Mary is confused because she says in verse 34, Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her, who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary, may it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. He's somewhere around six months along here. Verse 41, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. This baby in the womb has to be a person if it can react with an emotion. Joy. It has to be a person. In fact, isn't it just amazing that a fetus, a baby in the womb, is the first person to recognize Jesus Christ? Now let me say this too, and we'll close this on... uh, On abortion. If you have been part of an abortion, forgiveness is available to you. You know, if you've not repented, then do repent. Take that to the foot of the cross. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That includes murder. It includes the whole list of seven things that the Lord finds an abomination. And don't carry condemnation from it. Once you've put it under the blood, don't go do it ever again. And... Don't walk around with your head hung, saying, You know, woe is me. No, the blood of Jesus has made you just as righteous as the person who didn't do it. And yeah, and it's enough. And so there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So walk in the Spirit, walk in the forgiveness that He has made available to you and I. All right, now we're ready to move on to the salad. Santa Claus. Oh, this should be fun. Listen, if you have little kids and you lied to them about Santa Claus, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not going to like this part. But it's salted good. There's preservative in it. And if you'll just take it and eat it, it'll do its work and you consider it. Okay? Consider it. Santa Claus, um, the name simply means St. Nicholas. It's Dutch. It's Dutch. It's a phonetic, um, it, phonetic Sinterklaas is in the Dutch, and so they just change it to Santa Claus for the English phonetic version of it. But it, it means Santa Claus or, or, um, Sinterklaas was short for Saint Nicholas, and Saint Nicholas was born on March 15th in 270 AD, and he lived for about 73 years, they believe. Died on December 6th, 343. And uh, he, was, he was a bishop of a church, a Greek church. He was Greek by descent. And he lived in the city of Myra in Asia, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. It's the city of Demre now. I've been there. I've been to the place where he, he pastored that's not the same building anymore. They built another one a couple hundred years later, but still a very old building. And um, everything in the town is Santa this and Santa that and Santa Hotel and everything is centered around, you know, St. Nicholas. Well, St. Nicholas, he was known um, for a number of miracles and for intercession and having answers to prayer. And so sometimes they would call him Nicholas the Wonderworker. Isn't that a name that we should have, right, as believers? Nicholas the Wonderworker? And for example, there was an account of him um, on the way to the Holy Land and he's on a ship and a huge storm comes up. So I'm guessing it would have had to have been on the Mediterranean there. And a huge storm comes up and he rebukes the storm and the storm is calmed. And so there's an account of that. There's an account of him raising some children from the dead. You know, I wasn't there with him, so I can't vouch for are they accurate or not. You know how things grow over time. But from the earliest accounts that we have of him, there are some things that we know about him. He secretly would give alms to the poor. In fact, he was born uh, into money, and his parents died, and he gives all his wealth away and and becomes a priest. His uncle was a priest there in that town. And then after his uncle died, uh, he came back to that village to live, and he took over... Uh, as bishop of that church, but he would secretly he would give alms to people, and and so now stretch that into modern day of Santa Claus secretly coming in the night down your chimney and putting you know it's all a twisted of actual truth because there is a guy who was a very good example to you and I his name is Saint Nicholas and he didn't go down anyone's chimney I mean that's breaking and entering anyway so what else did he do well it is said. That he was imprisoned and tortured during the great uh, persecution under Emperor uh, Dioc. I don't even know how to say his name, Diocletian. Anyone, any historians in here know that name, Diocletian? He was one of the emperors, and he was persecution broke out under in Roman rule under his his rule, and um, he was put in prison over that time, and then he uh, under Emperor Constantine the Great, he was released and went back to his pastoring. And um, one of the earliest stories that they have of, of St. Nicholas is where he saved three innocent men from death. They were sentenced to die. They were, um, at, it was at the execution. And um, they, were to be, they were condemned to death by Governor uh, Estathius. And as they were about to be executed... He shows up, he reaches out, and he grabs the executioner's sword and holds it to the ground and released them from their chains and angrily chastised the juror who had accepted a bribe to call them guilty. And so, isn't that, again, a good example of a pastor stepping up and standing for righteousness, right? Standing against corrupt government. Well, that's to all of us. We can all do that. Interestingly, for those of you that are church history buffs, you'll like this, he is on a number of lists to have attended the first council of Nicaea. And um, there's, there's two main lists that people find of the people that were there. There's a short one, 100 people, and there's a long one, 300 people. And he's on a number of those 300 people lists that they have found of the people that attended that first one. So, what about... Santa Claus, the way he is portrayed in American culture. You know, should we lie to our children and tell them that he's coming in the middle of the night? You know, Santa Claus is, these lies are used in manipulation to get people's kids to behave. That's a violation of trust. There's no way that you can slice that to make that right and just and good. And if you lie to them about Santa Claus, Why should they believe you about God when they figure out you lied about that? See, the implications start to become really big. To tell your kids the true story of St. Nicholas and how people have twisted it into something that isn't true. All right, moving on. What is Christmas all about anyway? What is the purpose of Christmas? We don't know for certain the exact day that he was born. Jesus, we, we, in my opinion, the strongest evidence that we have is actually in the Bible and would put the date right on December 25th. Yet, it's not that important when exactly he was born and I'll tell you why. If it would have been important, we'd have the date, the exact time and day where he was born. Now we have where he died, the date, we have where he resurrected the day. But we don't have that when it comes to His birth. So when people come to you, yeah, but this isn't the right season or this isn't the right time, who cares? We're celebrating that He was born. Can we do that? Can we celebrate that He's born? You know, and no, it's not a pagan holiday. Yeah, they've turned it pagan. But if you'll look at it and you look at the very earliest writings available, the Christmas was celebrated as Christ's birth before the pagan holiday was around. It was like a hundred years previous. People celebrating Christmas before the pagan holiday that a lot of people claim is what Christmas actually took over this pagan holiday to make the Christians okay with celebrating a pagan holiday. No, that's not true. Go go search it out yourself, but it's just simply not true. No, Christmas is about celebrating Christ. And if you make it about something else, that's on you. I mean thanksgiving. Is Thanksgiving about giving thanks or about good deals on Black Friday? (laughs) You know, it's the day we live thankful and then we go out and elbow each other trying to get to the deal. I mean, it just doesn't make sense, does it? But if you make Thanksgiving about that, that's on you. The day was set aside to give thanks to the Lord. Just like Christmas is a day that we celebrate Jesus being given as a gift to mankind. And if you just say, well, yeah, but it's been so commercialized and, well, okay, if that's where your focus is, that's your problem. My focus is on his birth. Will I give gifts? Will I celebrate? Will I put up a tree? Will I sing the song? Sure, but that's not my focus. There's a divine reason behind what we, what I do. You know, almost, it hasn't happened this, this week. This is, uh, the first weekend that the building is decorated for Christmas again this year. But, All the previous years, as soon as we decorate for Christmas, someone gets bent out of shape about, well, don't you know what? You know, this is a pagan holiday, and why are we, I'm not going to come to this church if you guys have a Christmas tree up. Okay, leave. We're not going to change it. And I'll tell you why. Because you have your eyes on the wrong thing when that's your stance. In fact, let me just break it down for you a little bit gifts. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Well, we can look at Jesus. He was the ultimate gift. He was given. And since we're celebrating that as his birthday, it would be appropriate that one of the things we look at is gifts being given. Look at the wise men. Now they didn't show up on his birthday. They weren't anywhere near the manger scene. Don't lie about your, to your kids about that either. They showed up two years later. That's why Herod killed all the two-year-old boys because he was looking for Jesus. And so when those wise men showed up, they gave gifts to the Lord. So the greatest thing you can do to the Lord is give Him the gift of you. All right? That comes first. That's the gift you give to the Lord. And after that, you can celebrate other people. You can celebrate the love of God by giving gifts to others. Because that is an expression of love. You know, the greatest expression of love is giving. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So you can give gifts and it is an expression of God's love. Or you could just give gifts because you're just all about the commercial side of Christmas. And again, that's on you. Where's your heart in it? Just You have to examine you. I can't. I examine me. How about the tree? Did you know that the evergreen tree is a symbol of covenant? Abraham in Exodus, in, in Exodus 21 you'll find the story of King Abimelech and Abraham. And they made this covenant with each other. And it says that Abraham planted a tamarisk tree, that's an evergreen tree, in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Other translations say it was a grove of trees, not just one tree. A grove of tamarisk tree, evergreen trees. So we see that a tree, is it, it signified several things in this case with Abraham, but the tree... They're going to be there for a long time. It it symbolizes covenant. It's not just something that's a flower and gone next week, right? It's going to be there for years. Another thing about those tamarisk trees, it's a sign of water. And so when you have these things, what is the water of life to us? Also, we know that God has made a covenant with you and I through Jesus. Remember, the tree is a symbol of covenant. When you look at your tree, think about the cross. Think about Jesus. Think about Him, the covenant that He's made for you and I. My favorite uh, Christmas tree that I've ever seen is in the shape of a cross, all lit up. Lights. How about lights? Can anybody draw a connection between lights and Jesus? He is the light of the world, right? Symbolic. Now, you could have it be about something else, and you certainly may. That's your right. But when you look at my tree and in my lights, This is what they mean to me. So why is Christmas important? Because it's the beginning of a much greater story. I mean, come on. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, His birth is pointless. Unfortunately, people celebrate His birth more than they celebrate His death and resurrection. I mean, His resurrection is the point we're really celebrating. Really, I've said this for many years, Easter ought to be the most celebrated year in the Christian church. The resurrection. Not, not, yeah, anyhow, rabbits and eggs. I have a favorite Christmas scripture I want to share with you. It is my favorite Christmas scripture. I never read the scripture without thinking of Christmas. Does anyone want to take a guess at what it is? See how well you know your pastor. Remember, I talked about we're not going to yield to the spirit of fear. (laughs) What did you say? John 3.16, it's a good guess. Not the right one, another good one. Is't that one great about um you know, but it's not the one Romans eight two that's a really good one too. that's that's my most quoted verse, probably, but that's not the one I have in mind. All right, we've played long enough. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. He was talking about the gospel, the hope of the gospel. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what Christmas is about. is to Him take up dwelling in you and me. It's not about Him being in a manger. It's not about Him walking the earth in the flesh. It's about Him living in you and I. And we becoming the temples of God. And it says here that he wanted to make, Paul is wanting to make known to them the wealth about the, the riches of this mystery. And the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now this word hope, I've, I've often talked about this, but I'll say it again. Hope doesn't mean like we use it today where you want something or you wish for it. You, you wish this would take, I, I hope it doesn't snow this winter. Right? I I want something. I wish something. Right? I hope it stays 70 degrees all winter. Right? That's not faith. That's just a wishfulness. Alright? In the Bible, if you'll look this up, the original meanings of it, the word hope means confident expectation. It means to anticipate. To anticipate means you're expecting to receive. It means it's not a question of if. It's a matter of when? To anticipate something. You know, when you, when you walk in and you smell food and you're ready to eat and you're hungry and you know that this meal is also made for you, you anticipate. You have a confident expectation that I'm going to have some of that. That's what this is. So it's more akin to faith and trust than it is wishfulness and wanting something. The other thing is, is glory has to do with light. It has to do with victory. It has to do with honor. It has to do... It means visible glory. Kind of like, you know, they in the old days they would have a parade, glory parade, when one king would vanquish another king and they would bring them all in into their main city and go down the street and they'd have this whole parade and a victory parade. Right? Or like Sports teams do. They have a victory parade. They go to their home city and they go down and have this huge parade, glory parade. Alright? So what does this mean? This this hope of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The, the confident, we should just say it this way, Christ in me, the confident expectation of glory, of victory, of of glory parade. In other words, He's not going to let me sit on the back burner, beat up, unhelped, and just garbage. No, you're part of the body of Christ which is going to be glorified. It has every right. The heel of Christ has just as much rights as the neck of Christ. Right? It's all part of the body. It all has equal share to the things that belong to Him in the kingdom. And so, you can have confident expectation of glory. Now, another way to see this, and as you go about your weeks, as you go about this this season and this time, even tomorrow, those going out to City Gate, have a confident expectation of Jesus being glorified. That when you reach out and pray for someone, He's going to be glorified. When you give them a word, He's going to be glorified. When you encourage them, Jesus is going to be lifted up And glorified. And when he's lifted up, he said, I'll draw all men to myself. So a confident expectation of glory. But see, the way tradition reads this is, I hope I'll make it to heaven. Glory. Glory meaning heaven and hope, I wish, I want. But it's not that at all and rather this is to me this is what christmas is all about is the confident expectation of jesus being glorified colossians yes that 127 all right why don't you stand with me someone can run down and let the kids know that it's time to come up and let's just rejoice in god's goodness if you're here and you need something from the Lord, just reach out to Him. Ask Him in faith. Believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. John.
2: Praise God. Well, that was a good buffet, wasn't it? <laughs> My prayer is that we'd all digest what we've been served tonight. It was a lot to take in. It was all good. Amen? Yeah.
0: Father, we thank you for the matchless name of Jesus, Lord, that it is above every name. And so, Father, right now, we just, in the name of Jesus, command every sickness, every disease to stay off of us, and if there be any in you, be free, be healed in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for divine health and life in every person in this building, in every person listening by the internet. Lord, I thank you that you give divine life and health right now to those of us that are experiencing symptoms in our body that are not here tonight. We call you healed. We call you delivered. We call you full of peace and life in Jesus' name. We call strength to your bones, strength to your muscles, strength to your body, health to your eyesight, health to your hearing. From top to bottom, wall to wall, healed in Jesus' name. And we bless you for it, Lord. We thank you for the divine protection you've assigned to us. And we stand in it in your shadow. And we're so grateful, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Father, we lift up this, our Supreme Court to you right now in this battle that has been taking place and been taking shape. Lord, I ask you to give, restore righteousness to the Supreme Court. Restore righteousness to all the courts, top to bottom. Lord, I ask You to open up their eyes, open up their ears to what is just, what is true, what is righteous. And Lord, those that refuse to acknowledge it, remove them. We call for their removal in Jesus' name. And Lord, we loose peace upon them as they make the right decision, that Your peace come upon them. Lord, we call for righteousness to be restored in this nation, in our courts, in our government. Righteousness... The sanctity of life, Lord, that we would have an understanding and agreement for this in in our nation by the church. Lord, I ask you to bring revival into the church, into the churches, in your body, in this nation, that we would rise up as one voice in unity, that we would stand upon the principles and the truth that you've set forth, the light and life of Jesus, that every life is precious. I thank you for this, Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for making a for making a way for us to be called yours, to come to you and call you daddy, to call you father, to to have your DNA in us, Lord. We're grateful for that. Father, we want to be more like you. This season, this Christmas season, Lord, I ask for your help, that we might be more like you, that we would be truth tellers, that we would be light revealers, that we would walk in the dark place, shining as you shine, Lord, and that you'd be glorified, that we're confident. Lord, help us to remind us, bring to our remembrance the things you've done in the past, how you've been glorified even in the darkness, Lord, because we will walk and we'll step and we'll walk in the light that you have given to us. And who can say amen? Amen. amen? Well, one way we love on God is we love on each other. We speak truth to each other. We encourage each other. We ask hard questions like, do you have enough money in the bank? And are your bills paid? Do you have food to eat? Come on, let's be the body of Christ to each other. All right, who can say I love Jesus? I love Jesus. Jesus. Amen.
3: Good evening. Welcome, everyone. So glad that you're all here tonight at Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, it's so good to see you all. Praise the Lord. Amen. Our whole time together tonight is going to be a time of worship worshiping the Father, honoring Jesus, the head of the church, welcoming the Holy Spirit who points us to the Word of God the rhema word, the living word, Jesus himself. Amen. Well, let's, uh, I would like to encourage you in the Psalms, Psalms 34, David, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We get to do that tonight. Amen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is
4: good. good.
3: Blessed is a man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all you saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall lack not one good thing. Isn't that a beautiful promise from the Lord? Well, let's stand up together as family and let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth tonight. Glory to God. Jesus Jesus is Lord. King of kings and Lord of lords. Fully God and fully man. He came To fulfill the Father's heart of redemption. To whosoever. Are you a whosoever tonight? Have you called on the name of Jesus Christ? To be your personal Lord. Your personal Savior. He's that close. He's a breath away. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, one way we love God in this house is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you know I love you? Amen.
5: Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be back here home with everybody again. We had a good Thanksgiving. I trust you did as well. Good. All right. Well, we're going to uh, prepare to receive the evening tithe and offerings this evening. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. And while the ushers are doing that, do we have any first-time visitors with us this evening? Anybody that's here for the very first time, we'd like to welcome you. All right. We're all family here. All right. Well, turn to Philippians. I'm going to uh, exhort you out of the book of Philippians tonight. You know, our hearts, our trust should be in the Lord. He's who we are looking to to provide. We're confident of his provision, and we're expecting to see his goodness. Amen? Amen. So in Philippians chapter 4 here, um, the Holy Ghost through Paul is talking about offerings. If you read this passage, you'll see this is the context. And he's talking about offerings and supporting ministries financially. So verse 10 here, he starts out, he's rejoicing in the Lord because of the financial gift that they just recently gave him. Now, you might think, well, because of personal gain or personal benefit, that's the reason he was rejoicing. But you'll see as we read through here that, no, it actually was another reason, although there is that too. Of course, you're glad and you're blessed when, when you see the goodness of the Lord come into your life. Verse 10 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. See, he wasn't saying this because, hey, I'm in this big financial crisis and wow, I was really believing God. I don't know what I'm going to do. And here comes the gift. No, he, that's not why you'll see this as he's leading up or he's leading up to something else as we read on through this. But he says, you know, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. You know, your joy level, your peace level, your uh, contentment level shouldn't fluctuate with our bank account, all right? It doesn't have to go, you know, be at the mercy of that. It's determined by something else. You know, if if um, Pastor Sid would get all down and mopey and grouchy because the offerings were down one month, well, we'd say, well, what an unspiritual pastor is that? And you'd conclude that you know he's got his trust in the money rather than the Lord. He's got his trust in people and the natural than the Lord. Okay, well, so then is it any different for moms and dads? You know, if dad comes home with half a paycheck that he's used to getting, or maybe no paycheck, is dad all down in the dumps and like, "Ooh, don't go near dad. It's it's rough around here. It's money's money's tight. So don't don't go." That's not, that's not being spiritual. And, and it, and it indicates that our trust is in something other than the Lord, something other than the Word. No, our joy level, our peace, our contentment doesn't have to fluctuate with the state of your bank account. So keep reading here. Where were we? Uh, verse 11. He says he learned. He says, I have learned to be content. You don't, this isn't something you're inherently born with. You develop and learn how to be content. You learn how to be grounded and satisfied no matter what the circumstances. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, now, here's the secret. Verse 13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, notice he didn't say, you know, I've learned the secret to be content. And that is, is to get over to where there's plenty. Because plenty is, if you got plenty, then you're content. No, because there's lots of people who have plenty. And they have no joy. They have no peace. And they're not content. It's never enough. So the answer is, you know, you can be discontent in in the abundance and you can be discontent in the lack. You can be content and have joy in the lack and you can be in joy and have peace and not be trusting in the abundance that you're in. So that's that's not the thing. So verse 13, that is the answer. This is the secret. I can do all this through him who gives me strength because it's in him. It's in Jesus that you have your strength. It's in Jesus where you find your peace, your contentment, your joy. You're grounded in him, and he learned this. Paul learned this, so, so you and I can too. We can learn this, that no matter what comes, no matter if you're living in 500 square feet or 5,000 square feet, that you can be in peace, and you can life can be full of joy, and, and it doesn't have to fluctuate and be dependent upon your external uh, circumstances. Verse 14 says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. So moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. You see that? It's connected. It's not just in the matter of giving, but giving and receiving. So I want you to see we're talking about this law of sowing and reaping here. It's such a great illustration, um, these verses says, you shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that that, sorry, not that I desire your gifts. I'll see, this is the reason that verse 17 is the reason he started out saying, I greatly rejoice. Okay? Because he said all that, you know, I'm not in need and stuff. I'm okay. But now here we get to why he was rejoicing. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. So he's getting excited about what's coming to them. He's excited about the reward they're about to experience. He says, I have received full full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And here again, reason why he's rejoicing. And my God will supply, will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So he knows. He's excited because he knows that this law of sowing and reaping works. And that, you know, their needs are going to be met because of their giving. And so that's why he starts out rejoicing and saying all this about, hey, it's not because I'm like, you know, was just believing God for that rent payment to come in. Of course, th- it's good to do that. I'm not saying don't believe God and we're excited when, when what we were believing for comes in. But he's saying, I'm excited for you because God wants to get the reward over to you, and I know it's coming. Yeah, amen? Yeah, so All right, so we've learned the secret to be content <laughs> while well, we develop in that. All right, well, let's pray over our tithes, turn it to the Lord. Well, Lord, we're so grateful to be called your family, your children tonight, and we just thank you that you are trustworthy, that we can put our confidence in you, that we can look to you to be our source. We acknowledge you as our provider and the giver of all the good things in our life. We just are so grateful for it. So I I thank you, Lord, for these tithers, and I thank you, Lord, that you will do your word, perform your word, and that every need is met according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give unto the Lord. All right, last chance to sign up for the Christmas party. So if you haven't done so, um, this tonight's your last chance. Whoever's name's down, that's the heads we are counting for uh, the meal. So it's going to be a catered meal. You don't have to bring anything for it. It's going to be at six o'clock in Strasburg, 40 West Main Street in Strasburg. It's right here in, am I right? Okay. It's in the bulletin, but you know, you, you just just want to cover all the bases here. It's in the bulletin. You might want to take it home and just magnet it on your fridge or something, you know, be good. Uh, if you want to take part in the cookie swap, just bring a dozen cookies wrapped and prepared to do that. You don't have to be part, partake in that, but um, if you want to it's there. Um, this year Christmas is this year our Christmas outreach to the community is going to be for the uh, pregnancy center, so we're collecting diapers and wipes and baby food. And I think the—is there a box down in the, I think there's a box downstairs or maybe in the entrance where we're putting all that stuff. So um, you can bring your items and just put it in the box. A Christmas Eve uh, service schedule is going to be Friday, 20, the 24th, and there will not be our normal Saturday service, which, because it's Christmas. So it's going to be Saturday or Friday evening. And it says here in the bulletin that it's at five till approximately 6:30. No child care, but the back nursery will be open if you need to take your children out there. All right, I think that was all. I guess I did have this. Uh, the Mirabellas have a anyways, you can see Debbie's note. Uh, a newsletter in the back it's back lobby there you can pick up. They have some new updates. Prayer requests, still believing for that 170000 to for the refugee camp, but they are making progress, so that's good. All right, so that's back there to pick up. But Karen has some things to share about CityGate. So. Thank you very much.
3: Um, all who are going to CityGate tomorrow morning, whether it be Lancaster or Columbia, will you come on up here? How many of you know that we are a mission church? that believes in the Great Commission. And these flags all represent different countries and travel. But our church offers an opportunity for mission work locally in Lancaster and in Columbia. And all these, you know, we regularly go. It's the first Sunday of every month. And what we do is we make for Colombia we make food in bags, lunch bags, really good good lunches, ho- homemade. And we go and take two or three and we walk the streets believing God for divine appointments. So we're not we're not the saviors. We're conduits. And if we make ourselves available, then the Holy Spirit, Jesus uh comes and uh, and just sets up the, the networking process of it has been so amazing. We get together afterwards, the Columbia Group, and we go in and we share what's happened, what we experienced um, on the mission field. And we all just sit there and awe oh, and wonder what the Lord did through us. Now, the Lancaster Group, they go and they feed like, what, 200 people?
6: How many? Uh, we make maybe 120 right now, 120 okay. meals. All right. So uh, we uh, prepare the meals in bags right now ever since COVID hit. And even though the people are now coming back in and sitting in there, we we do everything in bags. And then they just we just serve them that way inside and outside. Uh, when Karen said something to me about talking, I thought the thing that hit me was that when we couldn't meet inside that some of these people said they missed it because this was their church. And I thought that really just hit me yeah. that if we didn't go in there and feed them physically and spiritually, they wouldn't have a church or any place to meet. So uh, really puts the value on what we're doing in there, not just feeding them, but feeding them and um, meeting with them and conversing with them. And yeah. that's, yeah. yeah.
3: Meeting so, on a personal level.
6: Yes. Yeah, we do the the group thing, but we also, one-on-one, get a chance to talk to them inside and outside. Amen. So, ministry.
3: Kevin, do you have anything I'd like to
2: share? No. Anybody else? Other than that, the, the, um, <clears throat> so there is also somebody that does a teaching. I, I don't know what we're doing this week because Kim's not there, right? So one of us will, will, will do, uh, you know, a teaching. So they do, it is their church, you know. They do get um, a service, if you will, and sometimes there's even worship, so. It um, might be tomorrow.
3: <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Jacob, Jacob has gone to Columbia. You're over in the Lancaster group. I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong. Side. Well, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> See right here. So they minister to in in a location. You don't go out on the streets at all, and it's a lot of people that come there. It's a very established group with Kim and Brian, but Columbia is a brand, kind of a brand new group and we hit the streets. So Jacob.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, the Lord works with, you know, we might plan some things so he can work with that. Uh, most of the times that I'm there, people that walk the street when they, when they, uh, when I, you know, get into the conversation with them, like, you know, I always wondered about that. Well, that's a divine appointment. They might've not known it, but we get to see how God arranges the people we meet on the streets, so it's very impactful. And uh, we we really uh, need you to pray for those hearts to have for the Lord to prepare their hearts to receive the Word of God. So your prayers are the backbone of everything that those who are sent do, so that that way the body of Christ is involved spiritually, like that. Amen. So I talked to Karen after the last one, I had said that, you know, last time she got up and talked, I felt like I should have got up and talked, but I didn't. So I I said, I think people are afraid to talk to the people. And I said, it reminds me of Moses in the Bible. He said, God, I can't talk. I can't talk to this guy. He said, no, 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 no. I gave you a mouth to talk. You can talk, but I'm going to give you Aaron. Well, we got a bunch of Aaron's. You can walk with Aaron all day long. But at some point, you're going to go to CityGate. You go every month, okay? And at some point, you're going to come up to somebody, and Holy Spirit's going to nudge you, and then you're going to start talking. And it's going to change your life. I've seen it. Mm
7: -hmm. I definitely used to be one of those people who did not think that I could talk to people. Um, Walking up to strangers is definitely way out of my comfort zone. At least it used to be. Um, But... um, CityGate has really just opened up a lot of doors for me as far as just being willing to share with people. And so this last time, I walked around with Bella, and we came upon a woman. Her name was Christine. And so Bella offered her a lunch and then asked if we could pray for her. And when Bella asked her that question, her face just lit up. She was so excited. And so she was telling us about her son, Ahmad, and he wasn't feeling well and was having some tough things going on at work. She didn't know the whole story of what was happening at work. But we just told her, we don't need to know because God knows and he can take care of it. So we laid hands on her and prayed for her son. And his girlfriend is pregnant with a little girl, so we got to pray over the baby as well. And when we were done praying, she just she shared with us that she had just gotten out of church and she wanted to ask people to pray for her son. But they, there was some meeting after church, so everybody was busy. So she was going to go home and sit at home and worry. And then she felt like, well, maybe I need to take a walk. So she walked not even a block down the street and ran into Bella and I. And so we got to pray with her and encourage her. And she her day was changed. And um, so then... Which was, it was really cool. And then as we were finished talking to her, somebody comes out of the house that we were standing in front of and invited us in. And it was a house church who was having a Bible study and happened to notice that there were people praying outside on the street. So they invited Bella and I in and asked what we were doing. And so we got to share with them about CityGate and about our church and what we do every month. And they were actually looking for places to get involved in with Columbia. So we got to share with them and they prayed over us as we continued our, our day. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I think the biggest thing for me just as I've been doing this is, one, also learning to talk, walking with people who like to talk, helped me out a little bit. And now I like to talk. <laughs> 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 yeah. And just, like, seeing all the different amazing things God God does is just so encouraging to me and makes me even more hungry for him. And, yeah, I love coming.
4: Amen. Anyone else? You're going to pass it to me. (laughs) I I flip-flop. Tomorrow I'm going to Lancaster with Sandy and Paul and that crew. Um, Last month I was in Columbia. Teresa? Yeah. yeah. We met her, Trudy. Yeah. And she was hurting. Her kind of had trouble in her church and her husband and divorce. And yeah, we prayed.
5: She cried and felt better.
4: Yeah, because we, yeah. we approached her with the lunches and mm-hmm. and she didn't want a lunch. Yep. But then we said, well, can we pray for you? And mm-hmm. she came back. She had started to walk away and she yep. turned around and came back to us and said, yes, I need prayer. Yep. And then we prayed mm-hmm. and. Got some information, got the story on all the stuff that she'd been dealing with. Yeah. Yep.
5: So when you can relate to someone, it really helps. God
4: uses you. You get blessed. So Yeah. 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 So it's, it's relational. You know, we're out just meeting people and talking with people and offering them food as well as food. So, and... um I think all of us are, are, are going because we're being obedient, you know?
5: Take you out of your comfort zone, and I'm yeah. out of mine right now. <laughs> That's why I keep pushing the mic. <laughs> I told her, no.
4: But we have a good time. Yeah. And we learn, you know, we, we, we learn about each other and stuff and the people. And, and I just want to say, you know, when you came back and talked about the house church in Columbia— Karen Hostetter and Karen Everhart and myself would pray and pray and pray every Wednesday morning for, I guess what, two years? We'd be in Columbia and at the City Gate location and pray and pray for us to see, you know, manifestation of God's spirit in Columbia Borough. We have claimed Columbia Borough for the Lord. So that was like, when you came back and said that, I was like, Hallelujah. See all that prayer? Amen.
3: Amen. It's fruitful. So what you're seeing is the Great Commission locally, and we invite you to be a part of it. Some of you are sitting out there thinking, wow, I want to be a part of that. Well, we want you to be a part of that, but it takes a stepping out and just saying, I'll I'll be there. We meet about quarter after 11 at Columbia. It's earlier in Lancaster. What time, Sandy? And so we invite you to come. And as you have heard, it's relational. Some people get born again. We had a 94 year old woman two months ago, two months ago that gave her life to the Lord. She, she just cried and wept. Last time we went, Nathan went with me and we were talking with a woman in a car. She was ready to go. But see, you feel led to speak to certain people. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. We pray about that before we take off for divine appointments. We're in the right place at the right time, doing the right things with, right, with the right people. You might be heading this way, but you're led this way. And you go by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And God shows up in re- I want to say magnificent ways, but here is little Nathan, and this woman is just pouring out her heart. She is working with um uh addicts, and she said i'm done i I have no strength left uh they don't believe in God, and I don't know if I believe in God, and she just poured her heart out I mean to complete strangers. And Nathan just looked at her and he says, but God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And she looked at him and tears started coming down her face. And he had three more scriptures hidden in his heart that he shared with this woman. And she broke. See, this is what we're doing. And we love it. God ministers to people at where they're at because what? We're available. So we invite you. If God has put this on your heart to meet up with us tomorrow in Columbia, we really would love for you to come. We go two by two or three by three. You're never going alone. And most of the time you go with somebody who's already been there. So come out. We encourage you to be a part of this great commission that this church is. Amen. Pastor, would you come up and pray for everybody going tomorrow, please?
0: Father, we thank you so much that you have given greatly to us. You have given Jesus to us, Lord. And Father, we ask that you give us eyes to see as you see ears to hear as you hear. Father, direct their steps tomorrow. Nudge them this way, that way, over here, look over there. I thank you, Lord, that you arrange divine meetings and appointments tomorrow in Lancaster and in Columbia. Lord, I ask you to prepare their heart. To receive the good news, to prepare them to have an encounter with Jesus. Lord, I ask you for supernatural boldness in each one here as they go, and that you would, you would do signs and wonders as they stretch out their hands and as they step out in faith and obedience to you, and that you would confirm your word tomorrow in those that come across their path in Jesus' name and amen. And Father, I ask you too for protection. Yeah, protection. That nobody's getting sick that's going out there. All of you are going to walk in divine health in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so
3: much for coming up.
0: Don't you just love the power of the gospel? Amen. The power of the good news i mean at even even a young person speaking the word their every word has the power of god in it the power of god to redeem and a child speaks it it's no less effective and sometimes it's more effective because they believe it yeah. 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 so let's be like children in our faith let's be quick to speak the word You don't have to add reference to it. They don't need to even know where it came from. But declare the Word of God, the good news to people, and the power of God will come into the moment and you'll see deliverance. You'll see people set free. You'll see people healed. You'll see people step out of fear and into faith. The Word, which we have at at our fingers, at our phones, at our everywhere, right? We can hear it. We can listen to it. We can read it. We, we are the most privileged people of the entire world's existence, and I believe that. But you know, in darkness, because we also live in a time of probably greater darkness than what maybe some generations in the past have seen. I know that there's been times and seasons where in the past, um, things were darker than what I think they were, are even today. But we know that when we read Revelations, there's a day coming where it's going to be pretty bleak. But we still have the anchor. We still have the rock to stand on. And for you and I, that puts us on a completely different level. It puts us at such a time as this. That our existence is for the Lord's glory now. And be people of prayer. I really liked what you said, Jacob, about... You know, we can, we can, prayer will make the difference. You know, if we pray and don't take action, that's just dead. Prayer without works is dead. You know, we're going to pray in faith, and then there's also works that are involved. If, but if you go out and do without praying, that's just an exercise in futility and being tired. So Paul said to people in the letters that he wrote, he said, hey, pray for me that the Word will have free reign over here. Pray for me that I would be set free from these these chains. Pray for me. He expected that prayer is going to make the difference as he goes out and delivers the gospel, as he goes out and tells the good news, that prayer is going to prepare people's hearts. Prayer is going to open doors for him. Prayer is going to be there waiting on the person when he arrives. The prayers that had been prayed. And so let's you and I be a people of prayer. Be a people of of interceding to the Lord on behalf of others. In particular, that they come into the kingdom.